Welcome and thanks for listening to the Franklin Road Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast consists of the preaching and teaching from the pulpit of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our prayer is that what you hear from this podcast will bless and encourage your Christian life as you seek to follow Him. We strongly believe there is no substitute for being a part of a thriving local church. If you're in the Murfreesboro area, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday or Wednesday. But if you are enjoying this preaching from somewhere else, we want to encourage you to find a Bible preaching church where you can grow and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. If you're listening to this podcast and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love nothing more than to help show you how you can have your eternity settled and begin your relationship with God. Feel free to visit us in person or online at frbc.com for more information. Now let's see what God has for us from His Word today. You have your Bibles, Acts chapter 26 tonight, and uh, we'll be in that. And then uh, I want to kind of reiterate a little bit of what I said this morning, and that is um, regarding the, the, uh, the uh, corona, the um, COVID, and uh, I, I'm not going to call it what I want to call it. How about that? But anyway, it's a real thing, and people are getting sick, and um, we understand that. But I want you just I want you to educate yourself on it, and I want you to pay attention to what is going on, and I want you to not take risk. I want you to do the right thing. And um, we actually, uh, I felt like today, especially with school back, would probably just be a wonderful crowd. We did have a great crowd this morning. We had a wonderful crowd, but it probably would have been practically every seat full had everybody been able to be here. We actually have entire families out. Not a lot, but families out. Uh, and um, then our older folks, there's a little fear factor there. And I want you to know that I completely understand that. And I want you to be understanding about that. Uh, because you don't walk in their moccasins. They, they walk in their moccasins. And, uh, but at the same time, I want you to be wise. Uh, if you, if you uh, come down sick, of course, you wanna, and you choose not to be tested, and everybody has the right to do that, understand that. That, that's great, but just be careful about, you know, waiting until you get through that before you actually come around other folks. I think that would be great. Uh, but also, for your benefit, if you come down sick, don't wait three, four, five, six, seven days before you seek treatment because early intervention is everything. They actually have a medication that has always been approved by the FDA, and then back in November they stopped it. And now the FDA, the FDA has reapproved it again. And so some of these doctors are starting to wake up to some of the pharmaceuticals that are out there that will treat this. And so I want you to, I want you to be aware of that. I'm not going to doctor you. And I don't want you to go out here and say, well, a preacher said do this and this and this. I'm not going to do that. I want you to do your research and ask people that's in the know and your doctors as well. And... Uh, I told you I'd meander around here. Everybody got back in. So let's stand together, please. Acts chapter 26. I'm not going to read the entire um, chapter. It's a great chapter. But in in, uh, this particular section of Scripture, Paul now stands before the Agrippa, the king. Agrippa II. He was of the Herod dynasty. And his family was really not that great of a family. But the apostle gets a chance to witness to him. Now, what we've been doing is we've been going through the book of Acts, especially looking at sections on revival, where people were saved and so forth. We're in this deal right now, really since chapter 21, when the apostles arrested, that we don't see any big revivals where a lot of folks are being saved. 
We're watching God take the man of God and work him through the will of God. Paul was determined to go to Rome. It made everybody mad at him. <laughs> Strangely enough, if you read Bible commentators that's lived after the fact, they were even upset that he went to, went to Rome. I want to say, what about the will of God? What about the people there that need to be saved? What about the fact that he stood in front of Felix and Festus and Agrippa and all those people and those soldiers that he was bound to? Oh, what a witnessing opportunity. And so for about two years now, he has remained bound here in Caesarea, and he finally comes before Agrippa. He's given his testimony here, but I want to pick up reading, if I could, in verse number 14. Verse number 14. And when, when we were speaking about the road to Damascus experience, and when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister, and circle this next word, a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which, in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee. In other words, I'm going to take care of you. And here's the purpose, verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, that is in me. That's Jesus speaking in my Bible that's red-lettered. Some Bibles are not necessarily. That doesn't mean you have a funny Bible. It just means that whoever printed it did not put Christ's words in red letters. You may be saying, well, how could Christ be speaking in Acts whenever he died and rose again back in the Gospels? Well, answer that question. Jesus is alive right now. Jesus is speaking right now. Verse 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, speaking of the Asia Minor trip, and they should, that they should repent and turn to God and do works for repentance, meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help, the help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets of Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should first be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and unto the Gentiles. I'd like to read verse 22 with me, our text verse. Let's read that out loud in unison together. Verse 22, ready? Having therefore obtained help of God... I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. I'm going to speak on this subject for just a while tonight. A true witness tells the story. A true witness tells the story. Father, help us tonight to be witnesses for you and speak to our hearts if we're not doing that. And if we are, I pray that you would empower us to tell many we pray the good gospel message in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <coughs> the word <coughs> witnessing, a witness, witnessed, and those derivatives are found 33 times in the book of Acts alone. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the famous verse, 
and ye shall be witnesses unto me. I believe that witnessing is the secret to the success of the church and continual, continual witnessing of God's people of any local church keeps the church doors open. Amen. The church will dry up and close its doors when witnessing stops. Right. Tonight you'll hear a brief uh, um, follow-up on just some of the doors we've knocked and it's been a busy week, so I don't expect that number to be a big number because of all the orientation this week of families and staff and all of that. But we really expect the coming weeks for that number to begin to climb. And let me just say this. <clears throat> if you and I did not knock on doors and tell folks about Jesus Christ right here, this church before long would be closed. It's what keeps the doors open. Oh, we could bring, we could bring some gospel groups in. We could maybe get us a light show, and we could have, a swing and have them swinging from the, uh, from, the, from the ceiling here. And maybe people come to see all that, but God's not in any of that. God's in a church that obeys the Great Commission in the matter of witnessing. I believe the witnessing is a secret to your life as well as far as the empowerment of God and when you really feel a God working in your life. You know, you can have the nicest facilities in town and have no gospel witness, and you can fail miserably in heaven's eyes. I think about the, the Jehovah false witnesses. Do you know how the Jehovah witnesses stay alive? It's not their doctrine. They stay alive because of their uh, avid door knocking. You know how the Mormons stay alive and their particular, uh, their particular religion? They stay alive because they constantly send out people telling people about their particular doctrine. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we all know they teach a false Jesus. Could somebody say amen right there? They teach a false Jesus. You and I know the real Jesus. We heard about him this morning. And so there's just something about this matter of witnessing. The churches in the book of Acts started with 120 people and grew to over 30,000 people in 12 months. And I'm going to tell you why. Everybody went everywhere from house to house and door to door telling folks about Jesus Christ. Uh, churches uh, have many people but few witnesses. Now, let me just kind of catch you up to date here in our study. We have really zoomed through several, several chapters here very quickly the past few weeks because Paul is arrested and he stands before Felix and Felix doesn't do anything about his situation, which by the way, uh, there's no weight on Felix for that because this was, uh, this was God's sovereign will that this man go all the way to Rome. And that's what, that's what Paul prayed about. That's what Paul wanted to do. That's what he felt like the will of God was for him at the very beginning of his ministry, that he witnessed for Jesus all the way to Caesar's household. But understand, in every process, there was an appeal process. He went to court, and Paul would appeal to the higher court. Then he appealed to another higher court. And finally, he goes to, uh, he goes to Phoenix. Now he goes to Festus. And he, he certainly didn't want to be turned over to the Jews because if the Jews would get hold of him, they'd kill him. That was their plan. And then he gets under Festus, is now the new governor in Felix's place. He gets shipped and dies and Festus now looks at him he tries him and he said well uh, there's there's no cause of uh, uh, of death here found this man and Paul says uh, let's see if I can find this look at verse number 10 of chapter 25 verse number 10 of chapter 45 then said Paul I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged to the Jews I have done no wrong uh, as thou very well knowest 
And verse, last part of verse 11, I appeal to Caesar. Verse 12, then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed to Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. It's almost like, by the way, Festus' heart was a cold heart. It's almost like Festus said, You want to go to Rome? You're going to Rome, buddy. Lock him up. So they took him back. So for over two years now, he's gone through this appeal process, and all of a sudden, boom, Agrippa rolls into town with his wicked sister, uh, I, I pronounce it Bernice, uh, the Bible pronounces Bernice, uh, some people pronounce it, uh, if you pronounce it in the Greek tongue, it's Berniki, and something like that, I can't pronounce it, anyway, old Bernice rolls into town on the shoulder of her brother, go figure that one out, go study history about that, that was whacked out, so they come into town, and uh, he's going to uh, hear about Paul. So Ephesus uh, says in chapter 25, look, I got this guy. He's a Jew. The Jews want to kill him. I, I don't know what to do with him. I could let him go. Felix could let him go. Nobody let him go because the guy keeps appealing to Caesar. And Agrippa says, let me hear him. Let me hear him. And so we get to chapter 26. And then verse 1, then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. So we're in a court of law now. Notice what Paul says. You may say, I bet this guy was in deep depression. <laughs> Look what he says in verse number 2. I think myself happy, uh, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day. Uh, the guy was tickled to death to give his testimony to Festus and to Agrippa and to everybody else standing in that courtroom. And the guy was chained to a soldier there. He lifts his hand, beckons, and, and he's going to give a testimony. Verse 6, I, I'm, and now I stand in him judge for the hope that's in me. He was happy here. He had hope in him because he had a new heart. And he got that new heart on the road to Damascus. So ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to understand that even in the middle of persecution, we can have joy. And you ought to watch the life of Peter, and you ought to watch the life of Paul as you read about them in the Word of God and see the joy they have even when they're in prison, even when they're persecuted. And you and I have got to find a way to have joy in the middle of trouble. We can do it. We can do it. And so uh, they're coming now. He's coming now in front of Agrippa. He gives his testimony here. And I want you to jot down seven things. Now, seven points you think we'll be here all night. I promise you, I'm going to run through these really, really quick. But number one, I want you to jot this first one down. <laughs> this is a no-brainer, but let me get started with it. A true witness is one who witnesses. <laughs> a true witness is one who witnesses. In other words, a true witness is one who tells a story. Years ago, Dr. Lee Robertson preached a message about witnessing. And in that message, he said over and over, a witness tells the story. A witness tells the story. The Bible says here in verse number 22, saying none other things than these. Uh, Paul had something to say. Let me ask you a question. Do you have something to say? When it comes to Jesus Christ, do you have something to say? You say, preacher, really, how important is my witness? Once you look at verse number 18, here's what your witness will do if you use it empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Number one, your witness will open the eyes of the blind. Number two, your witness will turn them from darkness to light. Number three, your witness will turn them from the power of Satan to God. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to see 
those who are lost and undone are on their way to a devil's hell and it could very well be your spirit filled witness that turns them from darkness to light lets them see the gospel and turns them from Satan's grip the Bible says here verse 18 uh, your witness will uh, help them receive forgiveness of their sins let me ask you a question how many people need the forgiveness of their sins the world does. And understand that your witness can actually show them their inheritance they have among all of us who are faithful in Jesus Christ. And that inheritance is eternal life and heaven someday. How many thank God for heaven? Ladies and gentlemen, understand you've got that witness in your bosom. If you're born again tonight, you've got that witness. A witness tells the story. A witness witnesses the other people. He tells what he knows. You've heard this before, and I've I, I preached here long enough. I don't know what I've told and what I haven't told. But years ago, there was a terrible car wreck, and everybody died in the car wreck. And the state trooper was trying to figure out what went wrong, and all of a sudden, a monkey jumped up on the side of the guardrail, and he looked at the monkey, he looked around. Looked at the monkey, he looked around. He didn't want anybody to see him talking to this monkey. He looked at that monkey, he said, did you see what went on here? He said, what were the kids doing in the back seat? <laughs> said, what was the mama doing? <laughs> said, what was the man doing? <laughs> he said, what were you doing? <laughs> you know, act like you weren't listening, so I thought I'd better wake you up. A witness tells a story. That was a dumb joke. I'm sorry for all of you there. <laughs> Psalm 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. A very interesting verse is found in Proverbs 14, 25. A true witness delivereth souls. Proverbs 14, 25. A true witness delivereth souls. Do you understand if you were in a court of law and somebody knew the truth that could help you out, it is that witness that could deliver your soul? Now, how important would that be? And how important would it be for you to be the witness that's able to tell your neighbor or your coworker how they can escape the fires of hell? A true witness witnesses. Number two, jot this one down. A true, witnesses, a true witness witnesses everywhere. The Bible says in verse number 22, having therefore obtained the help of God, I continue this day witnessing both the small and great, saying other things which the prophets of Moses did speak. 20th century Christianity has become, you might say, churchified. Now, let me just tell you this. You need to know it. This has not changed. The unsaved world knows that you are supposed to witness. They still know. And that's why when they find out you're a Christian, they get nervous about you. That's why when you get the new job, maybe in the office complex, and they find out you go to church on Sundays, they, maybe you don't have the friends immediately that you like to have. Because it's not because they don't like you. It's because you make them nervous. Because they know what you're supposed to do. A witness witnesses everywhere. People only act like Christians on Sunday in our generation. And they do that in church. But that was foreign to the first century church. Their witness went beyond the four walls of the church, if they even had a church to meet in, a building. 
If you just follow the life of the apostles, you'll find out they witnessed in synagogues, which belonged to the Jews. They witnessed down by the river. They witnessed in jail. They witnessed in courtrooms. They witnessed in the marketplace in Athens. They went from house to house in Acts 20.20. They witnessed in the palace. They witnessed everywhere, everywhere. We had folks at church this morning. Some of you had knocked on their door and witnessed to them this morning. You say, how do you know? They came by and told me. I had one lady, it's been about two years ago, she came, she came by and my wife and I were on the front door and, and she handed me her guest card and I said, well, thank you so much for coming. I'm glad you're here. Said, how did you find out about our church? She says, well, someone knocked on my door and told me that I needed to come and here I am. Isn't that what you wanted? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure was. <laughs> <clears throat> A true witness, you remember that one? A true witness. <laughs> I'm going to write a book on being a pastor on the front door. A true witness witnesses everywhere. Number three, write this down. A true witness never quits. He never quits. The Bible says he continued. Verse 22. He said, I stood firm. I'll never give up. I'm not going to change my story. I think of William Carey was a great missionary to India for seven years straight he witnessed to the people there in India never had a convert but in that first convert he knew that God wanted him to go on and continue continue we have some dry spells all of us have dry spells great temptations come when we're witnessing I want you to just jot down these two as, as you consider just some of the temptations that cause us to quit. First of all, we can be conceited in our witnessing, thinking that we are more, more noble than the people that we're witnessing to, and uh, we should stay humble. And the other is to get discouraged, probably the most prevalent one, is to get discouraged, have few results. I will tell you what, Paul overcame both of these. You understand, you understand the nobility of the Apostle Paul? If you read through this, all this chapter 26, you'll find out this guy, he said, look, he looked at Agrippa, he said, everybody knows me. You know me, Agrippa. You know about our culture, the Jews. Something you knew about Agrippa and something Paul knew, and you'll, you'll find as he gets in his testimony here in just a minute, he knew this about Agrippa. He knew his family and he knew before Agrippa became the king that, that his daddy put him over the treasury of the Jewish temple. And he knew that he knew all the ins and outs of the high priest. In fact, tradition says that Agrippa too actually appointed the high priest. And, and that was before he became the king. He knew all about Jewish tradition and Paul knew that about him. And he knew who Paul was because Paul was a Pharisee of the strictest sect. He was, he was Sanhedrin material, and he knew that Agrippa knew him. And he knew that Agrippa knew that he wasn't a Pharisee now that he was a born-again Christian. So he got to witnessing, he completely bypassed Festus and went right after Agrippa because he knew Agrippa knew. I'll get into that, maybe we have time here in a little bit, but a true witness never quits. Paul could have got discouraged, but he didn't. Paul was having few results in this stage of his ministry, but he kept on going. 
Remember, before we write this one down, a true witness sticks to the Bible. A true well, What do we witness about? How, where do we get our message? He says here, saying, verse 22, none other things. I, not, I didn't talk about anything else except those things were in the, which were in the prophets and Moses did say should come. Now, let me just stop just a minute. When he made that statement, the prophets and Moses, he was talking about the entire Bible that he had a copy of. The New Testament had not been written. It was in the process of being written. So when he talks about Moses, he's talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When he talks about the prophets, he's talking about the rest of the Old Testament. He said, that was the gospel message I used. And by the way, you need to understand, the gospel is in the Old Testament. And the Messiah, and the prediction of Messiah is in the Old Testament. He said, I was just telling people of the hope of Israel, what was going to come out of the Messiah. And uh, I think he knew and felt like that Agrippa knew all about that. And so uh, Paul knew that the Bible was the power of God unto salvation. And, and that's why I preached like I, I preached this morning. This book right here. If you're not in this book right here on a regular basis, not just reading it for devotional purposes, but trying to learn what it says, you're not going to make it in the days ahead as a Christian. Let me see if I can find this here. Uh, there's a place in here. I should have went back and looked at this. Uh, there's a place in here. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10. Verse, verse number 9. When he was, before he was saved... He would go after the Christians, and he said, I verily thought of with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In other words, he worked against him, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice. Now watch this. I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. You ought to underline that. What does that mean? That means that there was a man named the Apostle Paul that in that generation would gather up Christians and he would force them to recant their faith, to blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, it has happened in other generations. And I just want you to know, and I'm going to say this to I'm blue in the face, so Jesus Christ come back and I'm allowed to preach this from this pulpit. I'm telling you, you need to stop fooling around with the Word of God and get in the Bible and you need to study it and you need to learn about Jesus Christ because there's power in the Word of God. And I will tell you this, if I said this this morning, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the only way that people are able to get saved is through the power of the Spirit of God and the truth of the Word of God. And you have got to know how to use those things. It's the greatest power in all the world. So we find here that he was a witness that stuck close to the Bible. Number five, a true witness always exalts Christ. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. His people, that is. True witness always exalts Christ. Three important words you might want to circle here. Number one, suffer. That's speaking about the cross. Number two, rise, that's speaking of the resurrection. And number three, show. What does that mean? All the suffering and rising in the world would have done us little good had Jesus not shown himself alive. Once you take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 
We know he walked with those disciples there on the road to Emmaus and how their hearts did burn within them as they walked with him and talked with him by the way. How else would anyone know that he was alive? The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. What were those things? He showed himself to the disciples. I mentioned Thomas this morning, and all the other disciples believed him, and, and yet Thomas wouldn't. He said, show me your nail prints, and, and Jesus let him thrust his hand in his side. Think about that. I like to think that they didn't have that much doubt. Look at verse number, chapter number 15, 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and then he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain of this present. In other words, some of them were still alive, but some have fallen asleep, some of them have died. And, and after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also one, uh, as one born out of due season. He said, look, I saw him. All the apostles saw him. Above 500 people had a chance to see him. I'm just saying Jesus is alive. He showed himself. I am preaching about the one that the Jews knew was going to come in Messiah. And you know that, Agrippa. Thank God he showed himself. And these were witnesses as well. And it is our job to exalt Jesus Christ by telling people that he's alive. See, it's not about how many people we get in church. And I thank God for a good crowd, but it's about telling folks about Christ. A witness, witnesses. Number six, a true witness has the help of God. I like this right here, verse number 22. Having therefore obtained the help of God. You need to understand that if you and I are going to witness for, uh, for Jesus Christ to others, our help comes from the Spirit of God. Zechariah spoke of it when he said, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And I'm just going to say this right now. I'm going to tell you what this church needs more than anything else. We need a moving of the Spirit of God in this matter of telling folks about Christ. We don't have, need to have a wave come across us as some type of charismatic movement. We need, to have the, we need to have the blessing of God on our ministry one more time where the folks that are sitting right here grabs gospel tracts, re-familiarizes themselves with the gospel message, and goes out and witnesses and tells folks about Christ. Being a witness. A witness just tells what he knows. You say, I can't do that. I can't be a witness. None of us can be without the help of God. And then number seven, a true witness goes after everybody. Verse 22 says, small and great. Paul stood before kings. He stood before magistrates. But he also witnessed to the poor and lowly. He watched Jesus do that. He watched Jesus witness to Nicodemus, but also the woman at the well. He watched him witness to Zacchaeus, the tax collector, but also the maniac of Gadara. He watched him witness to the Pharisees, but also to the little children. He watched him witness to the rich young ruler, but also to the woman taken in adultery. You and I do not get to pick and choose who we witness to. We witness to all of them. It's time that we get out and tell the story and tell what we know. Let me give you this. So he's telling this story. And then Festus speaks up in verse 24 and says with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning hath make, doth make thee mad. 
Festus was completely closed off to the message, and he thought, this guy's crazy. And understand, that could be the reaction that we get. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king, now he's speaking to Agrippa, for the king knoweth of these things before whom I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Now, I have preached a message on this verse right here. But I want you to know something that's going on right now in our nation and, and probably the rest of the world, but this is where I live. Everybody under the sound of my voice, you know that Christianity and church work for all these years in America has not been done in a corner. And we're being edged out. The church is being marginalized. Christians are being censored. And understand, Festus said he didn't want to, he didn't want to hear any more of it. But he looked at the king, and he played with the king. He said, you know better. And he looks at him in verse number 27. He said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Watch what Paul says. He doubles down. I know that thou believest. Now, please understand, that doesn't mean that Agrippa had ever made a decision for Christ. It meant that Agrippa knew about Jesus Christ. He knew about the apostle. He knew that Christ was resurrected. It was Festus who said in chapter 25 that this Jesus was dead. Festus believed that. That was a story in the Rome, with the Romans at that time. Look at King Agrippa. We see his heart in verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now you go read the commentaries on this, and it's going to shake your faith. We have a song we sing, Almost Persuaded. Anybody ever heard that song in the songbook, Almost Persuaded But Lost? And that song was built off of this section of Scripture. The commentators will play that away. I believe that Agrippa was in the, under heavy conviction. Paul said, I would to God that thou only, that, uh, that, that not only thou, but also, also all they that hear me this day, and understand that as a full courtroom, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And what he meant was, I wish they were saved like I was, except for these bonds. The rest of the story goes on. They close the court. Festus and Agrippa walk off the side, they get in the council. They said, This guy hasn't done anything. So we can let him go, but he's appealed to Caesar. Paul got his way because in the rest of the chapters we're going to see he's headed to Rome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you that tonight that we zoom through several chapters here from chapter 21 and got all the way to chapter 26. We'll start chapter 27 next week. And we zoom through those things and you wonder why did God spend... Chapter 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, six chapters just surrounding Paul's arrest and imprisonment. As he made his way, why did God spend that much time? And my answer as your pastor is this, is to show you that during that time, all that the man did was witness. We do not know the results of that. But he witnessed to the kings and magistrates. He witnessed to centurions. He witnessed to captains of the guard. He witnessed to those people. Could you imagine being chained to Paul? I mean, if you hadn't got saved, you'd been dragging the man around. I'm so tired of hearing about this. And I believe that many were converted. 
God uses six chapters to show us that it's our job, witness, 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 witness. Now, by the way, uh, we call it soul winning. We call it visitation. We call it a lot of things. But our job it was Paul's job, and Jesus set him apart to be a witness. Stand together, please, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I want to ask you tonight, when was the last time you witnessed for the Lord? When was the last time, the best way you now know how, maybe it was rusty, but when was the last time that you witnessed for the Lord? That means that you told somebody about Jesus Christ. You told them that you were a Christian, how you got saved. That's all Paul did. We can all do that. You don't have to have a class to do that. Let me ask you tonight, how many say as preacher... God spoke to my heart tonight. I want to do a better job witnessing for Jesus Christ. Would you put your hand up? This is what our world needs. You want to turn things around in this world? Witness for Jesus Christ. Do you understand that the number of hands that were raised right here, if we would just do a better job, we could turn Murfreesboro upside down just by being a witness. Father, tonight many hands were raised. And I thank you for each person that said tonight that you spoke to their heart about this. We can sit around and complain about how bad things are. And they're bad. And they're real bad. But I wonder where America would be right now if we were in a state of revival. Because God's people were witnesses. I have no other way, nor do you give us another way, to dig a nation out apart from witnessing the revival. Lord, help us have a burden one more time for our city and for our neighborhoods. Please, we pray.